O gracious God, your word surprises, challenges, upsets, and overturns. Our way of seeing and thinking, come and find us today wherever we are, however we are. By the power of your Holy Spirit causes that which is withering in us to blossom and which is exacting in us to broaden until we see as you see and thereby glimpse of the kingdom you are bringing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today's first reading comes from Psalm 145, verses 1 through 8. It's the praise of David. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall extol your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. They will recount the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They will proclaim the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Holy wisdom, holy word, thanks be to God. Our gospel reading for this morning comes to us from Matthew chapter 20, the first 16 verses. Listen for God's word to you today. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. When it was about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again at about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. At about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay. Beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received a denarius. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree to work for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? 
So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Generous God, whose gift defies the balance sheet of ownership and just reward, free our hearts and minds from the envy which enslaves us. Shape our lives to show your self-forgetting love. Through Jesus Christ, the free gift of grace, we pray. Amen. I've been in a rec softball league the past couple months with my brothers and oldest friend, and I am definitely one of the worst players on the team, if not the worst player, which is fine. I figured that. I haven't played for 20 years. So at the beginning of the season, I made three modest goals for myself. The first and the most important is don't get injured. The second is to have fun. And the third is to make a positive contribution to my team. Now, the first two goals I've been doing great with. That third one is a little elusive sometimes. Now, a few weeks ago, we were playing the top team in our league. And these guys were really good. And somehow, we were hanging with them. I was playing catcher, which, if you know anything about slow pitch softball, is where you put the worst player. Man on second, uh, shot to left field, the ball is relayed to our third baseman, and the runner's coming home, and I'm ready for him. So Kevin throws me the ball at home, and I got it, and I've got this guy dead to rights, and I take the ball, and I tag, the, tag him, and the umpire says, safe! To which I responded, thank you, Mr. Umpire, for your perspective on this matter. <laughs> I appreciate your service. No, I said, what are you talking about, safe? And he said, you tagged him with the glove, not the ball. And I said, the ball was in the glove. He did not find my argument convincing. And we went on to lose by one run. The injustice of it all. It is hard when you feel like you are being treated unfairly, isn't it? That, that, that sense of justice runs deep in us. When we feel like we are not getting what we deserve, often worse when we feel like other people are getting what they don't deserve, it doesn't sit well with us. What we just heard is one of Jesus' least liked parables because it offends our sense of justice. In our country, we like to think of ourselves as a meritocracy, where those who work the hardest and the longest receive the most, whereas those who worked the least receive the least, or at least that's the story that we tell ourselves. Whether or not that story is true is not really the point. It's our national story, and Jesus comes along and says, the kingdom of God works on an entirely different set of values, wherein the first will be last, the last shall be first. Now, for many people in this country, there are so many who consider themselves Christian. I don't think that we would elect Jesus' dog catcher, much less president. His platform, his values make very little sense to us. Now, the context of this parable is interesting. We didn't read it, but I'll tell you about it. 
The disciples, they are anxious. They're worried about their heavenly rewards. They, they want to make sure that they get everything they deserve for all of the many, many sacrifices they've made for God. And Jesus responds, you don't really need to worry about that. God's going to take care of you. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. And then he begins this parable. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to find laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for denarius for the day, he sent them into the vineyard. And when he went out at about nine o'clock, he saw others standing in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you what is right. And so they went. And the landowner does the same thing again at noon and at three o'clock and at five o'clock. Now, we talked about denarius last week. Denarius is a typical day wage for a worker at that time. It's not extravagantly generous, but it's enough to get your daily bread. A denarius was a living wage. It, it might be equivalent to, I don't know, $17 an hour right now which working full-time would amount to about $35,000 a year. No one would confuse that with being wealthy, but hopefully it's enough to get by. Hopefully. In this story, though, we know a denarius is considered, is considered a, a fair wage for a day's work. And it's interesting that Jesus says the landowner is the one who actually goes out and recruits the workers. Normally, you do that like with a foreman, right? You delegate that. And the rich guy doesn't go out and recruit the workers themselves, but... That's what happens here. I, I wonder why. Put a pin in that. And while he agrees to give the first group of denarius to the others, he says, I will pay you whatever is right. And that word right in Greek is dikaios. And that word means justice. It also means righteousness. It's the same word. And so this landowner promises to pay what is just, what is fair, what is right. And that's exactly what this parable questions. What is fair? What is right? And who gets to decide? Well, the end of the day comes, and the landowner has all the workers lined up, beginning with those who worked an hour, all the way up to those who worked all day long. And then, of course, comes the big turn, where everyone gets the same wage, whether you worked one hour, three hours, five hours, eight hours, 12 hours, everybody gets the same. Great news if you worked an hour. For those who work 12, doesn't seem fair, does it? They're angry. And what, what is most fascinating to me about this part of the story is that the landowner actually makes sure that those who work the longest get to see exactly what's happening. If he paid those who worked all day first, they might have left without knowing what everybody else got paid. But having them line up the way that he does, he ensures that they get to see exactly what he's up to. Naturally, they're upset. And why are they upset? Because it isn't fair. Right? These workers want fairness, and this isn't fair. And the landowner hears their grumbles and says, hey man, I didn't do any wrong. We had our agreement. So take what belongs to you and get out of here. I choose to give them the same as I gave you. Am I not allowed to do what I want with my wealth? And I love that last line. Or are you envious because I'm so generous? And if we answer honestly, we'd say, yes, Lord, I am envious. Thank you very much. 
Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Yeah. Anybody here know what it means to have your bones rotting with envy? Me too. How much time in our lives is wasted keeping score of what other people have and then saying to ourselves, you know, it's not fair, I should have that too. Our entire consumer economy is built on convincing us that we need things that other people have, and when we buy them, do they ever deliver on the promise that they make? You ever find that peace that arrives, that Amazon package arrives, and now my life's at peace? It doesn't work that way. All right, we're promised peace, but it never delivers. God's economy isn't fueled by envy. And God's understanding of justice is different than our own. Now, we can't be sure why the landowner does what he does, but I think there's a clue at the beginning of the parable. The fact that he's the one who goes out and gathers up all the workers himself five separate times when normally a foreman would do that, I think that that tells us something. Could it be that this landowner is concerned that all of these vulnerable day laborers have their needs met? Is that the value that's driving him to ensure that everyone has their daily bread and that everyone can go home with a sense of dignity? I mean, did not every one of those workers need to eat that night and their families? Is it fair that they wouldn't get to eat just because no one hired them? Is that what justice would look like? See, God's justice isn't a simple math equation of quid pro quo. You wouldn't need God for that. You could just use a calculator. God's vision of justice is one where everyone is treated with dignity and everyone has enough. It's a vision of life where we're not focused on envy and fairness. Instead, it's a life in which everything is seen as a gift and our heart overflows with gratitude. I couldn't find the quote this week. I searched and searched, but couldn't find it. I think it's St. Clair of Assisi who said that God excels at all of the sciences, except for math. (laughs) Isn't that great? See, grace means that God has done away with keeping score and instead has decided to pour out blessing on all, not because we're good and deserving, but because God is good and generous. Robert Farrar Capon says of this parable, bookkeeping is the only punishable offense in the kingdom of heaven. For in that happy state, the books are ignored forever. And there is only one book, the book of life. And in that book, nothing stands against you. There are not debt entries that can keep you out of the love that will not let you go. And that sounds like good news to me. That God has stopped keeping the books a long time ago and invites us to join the party where everyone wins. See, we think we want life and God to be fair. But what we need is grace for all. God may be really bad at math, but sure knows a thing or two about justice. That umpire drove me nuts a few weeks ago because I'm telling you, that guy was out. 
and we would have won. But after reading the parable again this week, it made me wonder, maybe, maybe God's the umpire who calls everyone safe at home. And maybe that's the way, the only way we can all win in the end. Might be a lousy way to call a softball game, uh, but I think it's the best way to call the game of life, where all of us are safe at home. May it be. Let's pray.